1: on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hopefully we see no passes versus a press in the near future for the Boilermakers as the one seed. Staked out in Columbus, Ohio, awaiting that tip time around 6.50 tomorrow night. Fairly Dickinson in the one seed Purdue, the voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman. I do not want to see any passes against the press like we saw from Virginia that was incredibly costly earlier today, Rob. None, zero.
2: Uh, John, how about the irony, at least for a Purdue fan, of that being Kihei Clark, who yes. also in 2019 made one of the most memorable passes in the history of the NCAA tournament yep. to, uh, to uh, give Virginia the tie to send the game to overtime in which Virginia beat Purdue to go to the final four. So uh, the game of basketball, it giveth and it taketh away because that was Kihei Hit. Clark in both those instances. So just an amazing story.
1: That is incredible. That seems like about 20 years ago, by the way, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the
2: fact that Kihei Clark is still playing, because you remember he was a freshman on that 2019 team, and <laughs> here he is still playing for Virginia. I mean, wow, what a, <laughs> what a career.
1: Wow. Uh, it is. Uh, hey, the uh, Boilermakers take anything at all the way? Well, listen, to me, Regardless of what is said after a win last night by the head coach of Fairleigh Dickinson, I don't know how much. Certainly, I know it doesn't matter to Matt Painter. I mean, maybe you get some player inspiration out of it, but anybody care about that? What was said last night from what you know?
2: I've heard the players talk about it today, just eavesdropping on them. Yeah, I've heard them play it on their phone. how much of the difference it really makes in a game, I, I don't really know. You, as you said, Coach Matt Painter's not paying a whole lot of attention to that stuff. He's got a lot more things to worry about than, than bulletin board material. So, I don't know. I, maybe it makes a difference for the first two minutes of the game, but after that, I think all that stuff goes out the window.
1: Yeah, I think I saw Fletcher Lawyer's older brother, Foster, say Purdue by 100 after that. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> but, but I will say this, Rob. I I would not expect it to have a profound effect on the players. But as you mentioned, I think rightly so, at the beginning of that game, maybe you're a little bit more fired up than what you normally might be as the one seed in that game where you're the overwhelming favorite. I mean, that might push a little bit of mustard for the the Boilermakers at the beginning. Yeah, it might. uh, Maybe it
2: makes the team pay just a little bit more attention than they would have otherwise. I mean, Let's be very honest. A one versus a 16, There's, it's, it's sometimes difficult, I would think, if you're the one seed, to be real serious about that game. But I, I, I don't think that's the case for Purdue. But just in case they weren't very serious about it, they certainly uh, they now have Purdue's attention. I, mean, I guess I'll put it that way.
1: Hey, the good and the bad, right? So, regular rig season-wise, Boilermakers won it by three games. Cash in with that Big Ten conference tournament win but I thought this was good for Matt and staff. The way that that game ended, not so great, even with the win. You could still really go to work on a group that has certainly accomplished a great deal. You could still go to work on them a little bit, could not you, this time of year?
2: Oh, absolutely. You have a 17-point lead with six minutes to play, 6.15 to play, and that gets down to a one-point game with less than 10 seconds to play. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be learned from something like that. I, I couldn't agree more. And, look, I'm not saying that, you know, from a Purdue fan standpoint, you probably would have enjoyed a 17-point win a little bit more. But the fact that the, the game came down the way that it did, there are some great learning lessons in there. And You hope, anyway, those are great learning lessons. You never really know till the season's over. But you know, producing that situation again somewhere here in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully, they, those are lessons learned. So, but yes, I would agree. Um, it, it was just, it just, it was too easy, quite frankly. With six minutes to go, you're up 17. It just felt like it was too easy. And Penn State proved that, uh, you know, that that they're legit, man. So I'm with you. Those are the kind of lessons you hope that if, if that situation presents itself again here uh, in the NCAA tournament, hopefully, your teams learn something from that and, and maybe can take advantage of it.
1: Hey, Rob, what's the biggest concern? I'm not going to say worry, but concern from your standpoint here regarding the Boilers in this tournament as the one seed. Is it fouls that, or a whistle that is different than what you have seen the entirety of the year and especially recently in the Big Ten? Or the three-point shooting or the guard play, the young guard play going away? Where, where's the major concern if you had one from that group? I would go with the first
2: two things you mentioned. One, officiating, and two, three-point shooting. Now, the three-point shooting was pretty good in the Big Ten tournament. Purdue was 40% through the first two games of the Big Ten tournament. Tailed off a little bit. I think Purdue was 21% in that championship game. But 40% in the first two games, neutral floor, shooting the same kind of ball you're going to shoot in this tournament. I thought that was pretty encouraging. But the second thing, and it's always a concern in the NCAA tournament, I think it's a concern for every team that plays, is how will the game be officiated? Because you're about to see officials that you don't normally see throughout the season. Um, I I have no idea who the officials are going to be tomorrow, but I I think it's safe to assume that of all three of them, there's not going to be three guys that work the Big Ten all year. There's no way that's going to happen. So we're going to see an official or two or three that we haven't seen all year long. And how will they affect? Because I think there's a great article done. I think it was an Indianapolis star maybe last week about trying to officiate Zach Eadie and how difficult it is. Well, imagine how difficult it's going to be for a guy or two or three that hasn't seen him all season. Um, That's going to be that'll be a thing to keep a close eye on. It's always it's always something to keep an eye on in, in NCAA tournament play. Just because you're working with officials you, you don't have a relationship with, you haven't seen them all season. But, yes, yeah, that is that is definitely a concern, at least as far as Zach Eadie and, and the way the game is called this, uh, well, really beginning tomorrow and, and then for however long Purdue can stay in this thing.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen him too. No, I certainly noticed that in the Big Ten Conference tournament uh, when there was stuff going to the rim. I mean, oftentimes when it was – more than likely a foregone conclusion on a make, Zach just kind of backed away from it. And those, those are the types of fouls you can't afford. I mean, he got one, and, and the reason why I remember this is because Gene Cady, CBS put Gene Katie on camera and that was one of the Gene Katie reactions that were classic right there. Um, that was <laughs> yeah. one, I think, underneath, underneath the rim, or underneath the backboard near the baseline that he got that was an incredibly cheap one. Those are the types of fouls that he cannot get. He cannot have it. I think I've noticed him really try to be incredibly smart on what he does and how he handles that defensively.
2: And you certainly hope from an officiating standpoint that you know, I know this sounds funny to say, but because he is a front runner to be the national player of the year, maybe he gets a couple of favorable calls, you know the, what well, they call that the Jordan rules, right? Michael Jordan always seemed to get favorable calls because he was the best right. player on the planet, <laughs> so maybe, maybe a little bit of that but there's some trickle down effect at the college level with a guy like Zach. You hope that's the case if you're a Purdue fan, but without without question, you are one hundred percent accurate in that he cannot afford cheap fouls. Uh, Purdue has to have him on the floor i mean that that's that, that's the easy and obvious statement he he, with the numbers he has put up this year, uh, he has to be on the floor for Purdue to have success. And if he's on the bench for extended periods of time, it, it's going to make it awful tough on Purdue.
1: Justifiably so, David Jenkins. You understand now why he was brought in by Matt Painter as an older player, as um, you know, a transfer type of player. Is he going to get more clock, you think, now? Because this is a guy that at least recently, most recently, you could rely on his outside shooting, whereas, you know, with the freshman in, in Fletcher Lawyer, that's, that's not been there. And I know Matt's going to let him try to work his way in. But how quickly might he go to Jenkins now compared to what he, he might have back when the Lawyer was going good?
2: Well, I think David's 8 of 12, in. I know he was 8 of 12 three-point shooting in the Big Ten tournament, so that, that that's going to get you on the floor pretty quickly as a bench player if you're 8 of 12 in the previous tournament you just played in. Look, I, 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 uh, I was talking to someone today, and I, I kind of compared it to uh, when you're out in the garage with your dad, and, and he's trying to show you how to do something, and you're messing around trying to do whatever it is, and he finally just pushes you out of the way and says, let me do this. It's kind of what David has kind of done with our freshmen, especially Fletcher Lawyer. Fletcher is going to be a great player and has been a great player for us this year. He's Big Ten honorable mention. But David, he's the veteran. He's the guy that has been there, done that. This is not his first NCAA tournament. This is not his first conference championship. So he has kind of pushed, if you can imagine, uh, he's kind of pushed Fletcher out of the way and said, okay, time for me to handle this. It's time for the old man. Yeah to take over Um, and he has done that and if his three-point shooting can continue now now I think if I'm a Purdue fan I'm really excited about the prospect of both David and Fletcher shooting the ball well in the NCAA tournament if that happens if both those guys get cooking on the same at the same time uh, Purdue could really be in for something special here over these next couple of weeks
1: Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers in Columbus, a wedding, Fairley Dickinson, and the Boilers coming up tomorrow night around about 6.50 or so. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Does Matt Painter, does Purdue, do they want Caleb first to shoot the three when he's given that opportunity, or would they rather not see it? Well, he
2: hasn't been very good in the last month of the season shooting the three, but if you remember last year, he was a 40% three-point shooter. Um, Right. So there is that part of you that says he obviously can do it because he has done it. It's not like he's never done it before. He was one of Drew's better three-point shooters last season. This year he's 27%, and I don't know the last time he made a three-point shot, but I do think that's why he is given some some extra rope, if you will, some extra leeway in shooting open shots. As long as they're three, as long as they're open and in rhythm, uh, Matt Painter's okay with that because, again, he proved last year he can do it uh and it's, so it's like not, there's nothing new for him it's just a matter of him really uh, i think if he just sees one go in the basket his confidence level is going to skyrocket and he'll uh he'll be right back to where he was last year but that that's the that's the concern right now is having him having him see one go through the basket early in the game that would be huge for him
1: the Maker's expecting a lot of full court pressure from this team tomorrow yeah. and then as we move forward
2: Yes, that's all we worked about. They uh, worked on today, actually, in practice they had over at Ohio State's practice facility, uh, was full court pressure. And, you know, they also love to, pre- uh, to trap in the half court. They, they like to really speed the game up. Um, so that's what they're going to do. They're going to full court pressure. And then when you have the ball in the half court, they're going to try to trap as well. And offensively, they, they play fast. You know, they're going to shoot the ball within the first 15, 20 seconds of the shot clock. Uh, so that's what they do. So they're going to try to speed you up, and Purdue's going to try to slow them down tomorrow. Uh, That's what Purdue worked on today. So really going to be a nice little chess match, I think, between the two teams on on which team can impose their will as far as what kind of tempo the game is played at tomorrow.
1: So Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers, with us. What did you think about the draw overall? I know it's kind of old news to you by now, but when it first popped, what were your first thoughts on what you saw that may end up lying ahead? for the the Boilermakers in this tournament?
2: You know, the only thing uh, that I was really, I guess, the most interested in was whether
1: or not Purdue was going to be a one or
2: a two. Um, There were some arguments to be made before Sunday that Purdue might have been better off as a two seed, but playing in Louisville uh, as as your regional site if you would get to the Sweet 16. Um, Or would Purdue be a one and be in East, which is exactly where where they are, are at. So from a from a potential matchup standpoint, I didn't pay that close of attention to that. Actually, John, as I did, is what Purdue going to be a one or a two? Right. Um, I, I you know I know this much. When you look at that eight nine potential eight nine game, if Purdue were to get there, uh, man, both Florida Atlantic and Memphis are really really good. I mean that's a tough eight nine <laughs> tough eight nine matchup. I know Florida Atlantic has your guy Dusty May, who has done a hell of a job with those guys. Um, and I, and Tom Abernethy's son obviously is an assistant on that staff, so uh, right. there's a lot of IU connections there. But it just that, that was that was the biggest thing for me was are you going to be a one or a two? And obviously we found right. out Purdue is a one seed.
1: Yeah, and I, I listen, it, it's funny from a fan base, and I know you you hear it, I know you see it, but it was a great. You win the regular season. Great. You win the Big Ten Conference Tournament. But, man, it is so weird to see a fan base still only concerned about where you are right now. You know what I mean? I mean, that's it. It's almost like you're playing these games. And I'm not saying that they they were meaningless because they weren't. But to a fan base, now's the time when everything really in this Boilermakers season starts to matter. You know? Yeah, and Matt Painter said
2: the same thing. Uh, I think he said it in the post game uh, after the Penn State game uh, Sunday. I think is the way he talked about it. Maybe maybe the next day, but you know, Purdue is uh, it's a good it's good and bad, right? It's a good problem to have that you've had so much success now outside of the NCAA tournament that now you're expected to take that next step, uh, which is a heck of a, it's a pretty good spot to be in. You know, you'd, you'd rather have it that way than than the other way. We're not having any type of success, so. Um, yeah. Purdue's been to four of the last five sweet Sixteens, and that is impressive. There's a whole lot of teams in the nation that would like to be able to say that. But, yes, taking that next step, um, I understand that's what the fan base is, uh, is salivating for. And, and guess what? So am I. So <laughs> let's, uh, I'd love to see it happen myself. There's no doubt about that.
1: Th- this has an opportunity to be incredibly special. I mean, it does. I mean, you know, certainly one for the ages right here. With what's already been accomplished, obviously you're not going to think about that any longer until that happens or until, you know, you have success in this tournament. But, man, what an opportunity they have right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a heck of a ride. I mean, Big Ten champions, Big Ten tournament champions, uh, won that tournament out in in Portland in November. Um, If Purdue could win tomorrow, they'd be only the second team ever to win 30 games in a season. I mean, they're, you're 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 crossing off a lot of boxes as far as you know finding success in a basketball season. Um, so, obviously, what would you like to you know? What other boxes would you like to check? Uh, success right. in the NCAA tournament, and that is uh, that, that's what Purdue's going to be gunning for starting
1: tomorrow night. There's no doubt about that. I don't know. We we got we got some ladies here in the background here, Rob. Do you hear that? <laughs> I think they're drinking. I think they are drinking alcoholic beverages. <laughs> yeah. How about Bottleworks, Rob, in the garage? My bad. So, <laughs> sorry I'm about that. I, time, I think what's really going on is they're just trying to hear your incredible insight. I told them I'm talking to Rob mm-hmm. Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers right now. So, they're trying well, to show you some respect.
2: That would be the first time a woman has listened to me in a
1: bar in at least 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> Me as well, right there. Hey, have a great time, Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers. You have an IU hat on, though, so you like IU, right? So they have. A, she has an IU hat on, so. She may not end up listening to you, Rob, anyway, one of these days. (laughs) But I'm right there with you. I know what the hell that's all about, brother. Let me tell you. Hey, I'm really happy for you, seriously, because this has been a fun team to call games for. And I know, you know, having Matt on all the time, nobody better to have on a coach's show or to get insight from because I'm sure other coaches do that. But, you know, sits you down and talking basketball as he would to you has to be pretty cool because he doesn't mind. Uh, And and you probably don't get a lot of guys that actually do that. But um, pretty cool to see where they could end up in this NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, and the mo- I think the most enjoyable part for me, John, has been that this really was an unexpected type of season. I mean, yeah. Purdue was nowhere to be found in the top 25 in the preseason polls. Purdue was supposed to be middle of the pack in the Big Ten. And the fact that Purdue's had the type of season they've had, is, I mean, that's made it even more fun because you didn't see it coming, which makes it even more enjoyable.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, have a great call. I will check in with you, I'm sure, at some point next week, but uh, everybody will be listening, see what happens certainly tomorrow night and uh, moving forward, Rob Blackman, voice of the Boy Makers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It's a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy. Thank you, John. See you, buddy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. He is staked out in Albany, New York, the site of the IU first-round matchup with Kent State coming up tomorrow night from Pigs.com. He is Jeff Rabjohns joining JMV and Mike Wells here. Hello, Jeff. How are you?
0: What's going on, boys? Coach Wells, how are you? I'm good. You're good, man. Is the uh, state of New York treating you all right? That's the most important question. Of course it's
3: the most important question. No, it's great. It's great. Everything's smooth and easy. Folks here in New Albany have been there in Albany. I've been great. Did you say New Albany for a minute?
1: They're great in New Albany, too. We know them a little bit better, don't we? In the land of Jim Shannon,
3: things are always good.
1: (laughs) Uh, give me us, if you will, a little thumbnail sketch of Rob Cinderhoff's squad. That is Kent State from the MAC.
3: Yeah, I mean, the guy who jumps out the most is Sincere Carey. Um, you know, a fifth-year guy, started his career at Duquesne, transferred to Kent State. Uh, leading scorer, you know, 17.6 points, 4.9 assists. Uh, will go in and get rebounds, 3.7, as, as basically a two-guard. He only shoots 31% from three, but he's averaging almost six threes a game, so he will go after it Um, offensively, I mean, no matter what. Um, Marine Thomas is 6'8", but he's a a three-point shot, you know, three-point shooter. Um, They're they're a real physical team. I think that's the thing that, that stands out the most. You know, Chris Payton, one of their other backcourt guys, athleticism, goes inside, gets on the glass, uh, comes off the bench at six seven, but he's he's a physical, bouncy athlete. Um, you know, they're, they're the kind of team that they want to make it physical and rugged. You know, Jalen Sullinger another shooting guard with with basically a point guard build, big, strong. Uh, 42% from three. Um, so they're they they, they they're a physical team. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with Houston, which is one of the more physical teams in the country. Only lost by five. And I think Sincere Harris was something like – Sincere Carey, excuse me – was something like one for 11 from the field. So they will get into it. I mean, they
0: have no problem turning the basketball game into a street fight. Hey, Jeff, let me ask you a question. Going into this, obviously uh, IU didn't win the Big Ten tournament. What give us one one reason, one thing that could that should cause maybe IU fans a little nervousness about potentially losing the uh, the Kent State tomorrow night?
3: Um, I think the biggest reason for concern for Indiana fans is that in most games against really good teams, either Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Hurdjefino has pretty much had to be Superman. You know, Trace was pretty much Superman through most of January and February. Jalen Hedgefino had that phenomenal game at Purdue, carried Indiana to a win. But when one of those two guys isn't going or, you know, God forbid for Indiana, if if somehow both of them aren't going, it's really tough for Indiana to find somebody else who can carry the load. Now, there are other guys who can be good complementary players at times. You know, Tamar Bates has had a couple games where he's had multiple threes. Miller Cops had a couple games where he's had the double figures. Um, you know, certainly Malik Renault has really been coming on. Career-high 11, 11 rebounds in, in a Big Ten tournament game. But, but the concern for Indiana is, you know, what happens if Fino and Trace are both struggling?
1: So, uh, Jeff Rabjohns of com at Albany, New York, coming up tomorrow night. Round about 9.55, probably a little bit later tip time than that, coming up. In round number one, day number two of the NCAA tournament. Um, much explanation you might have for the, uh, the lack of really getting anything done in a couple of games for Trey Galloway that kind of stood out over last weekend of the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Any reason
3: behind that? Um, I, I think it was... At times, he was rushing a little, I think. Um, you know, whether he felt that or the coaches felt that, that might be a different story. But I thought there were times he, he was rushing a little bit. Um, and and I, I think, just you know, he needs to just square up and take threes when he's got them. You know, he, he's really improved his shooting percentage. Um, you know, he struggled his first two years, but he's been very good from three this year. I just think he's got to be confident and go out there and just let it fly on offense. Even though we only had two points in those those two Big Ten tournament games combined, which obviously you need more from that from, from your starting two guard uh, if you're going to make a deep tournament run. It doesn't have to be huge numbers with what Jalen Spino, and Trey Jackson Davis can produce. You, you, you need something. Um, but Galloway was one thing about Galloway. Even when he struggles offensively, he stays locked in on defense. Um, and I almost think against Kent State, if you put Trey Galloway on Sincere carry, I think Trey Galloway defensively can be and probably would be more impactful than Trey Galloway offensively.
0: When you saw the bracket on Sunday and you saw where IU was at, did you say this was a favorable back bracket for the Hoosiers to potentially make a run or did you look at it and say, okay, there's a chance for early slippage if, if they're not locked in? Well, There's a little bit of both. And I know that, that's a really boring answer, but the reason is when
3: Indiana's playing like they were when, you know, they went on that run and, and, and won 9 of 12, and Trace is basically playing like he's unstoppable, Indiana can clearly beat Kent State, and, and, and they can beat Miami or Drake. Um, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to give Miami the automatic win, even though talking to Nigel Pack today, he was incredibly confident. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's reasonably favorable. The, the, you know, the, there's, there's two teams that Indiana can't beat, without having to do something that they haven't done all year. And that's one of the things I look at in the brackets, okay, can can team A beat team B without doing by doing what it does well? And I think if you look at Indiana versus Kent State or Indiana versus Drake or Miami and you say okay, Indiana can beat all three of those teams by doing well what it has done well this season. And then you get you get to the Sweet 16, and it more than likely, unless there's upsets in front of you and the bracket breaks, it's going to get rugged at the Sweet 16 level. You know, the, the second weekend should be tough. But I think it's a reasonably favorable bracket for Indiana. Hey,
1: Jeff Rabjohn's with us. Not, not a great deal of, but a little bit of a spark. And in this case, a neutral floor, a road game, if you will, For Tamar Bates, was there anything to play off of in the Big Ten Conference tournament he had shooting the basketball, which was I'm not suggesting it's overwhelming. But for this team, I mean, you kind of look for anything anywhere in that category. Was, Was there something maybe they can play off of?
3: Wait, say that again? You cut out on me a little bit there. I couldn't quite hear that. Um,
1: Tamar Bates, I mean, there's nothing overwhelming with what he did shooting the basketball in Chicago, but certainly there were some positive signs there. Is that something that he can play off of with this offense, something that maybe consistently hadn't been there this year but was in Chicago and maybe could travel to Albany?
3: Yeah, I think just having Tamar Bates be a really confident three-point shooter. Um, you know, in Indiana's loss in Indiana as well, Penn State, they only made two threes, but he was the guy who made both of them. You know, he was two for five from three. Um, So I think if you're Indiana, if you say, okay, in in an NCAA tournament game, we're going to get two threes from Tamar Bates, I think you take that. And then again, two for five, if you're Indiana and you're sitting there ranked 350th, whatever in the country that they are right now, in percentage of points per game from the three-point arc, you take every single three-pointer you can get. And Tamar Bates, he has a good shot. He's athletic. He can get them. Um, So I think he's one of the guys, to me, Tamar Bates – In order, one Miller cop, two Tamar Bates, three Trey Galloway. They have to shoot with confidence from three this weekend for Indiana to get a couple NCAA tournament wins.
1: And I completely agree. And you know what, Jeff? We've been talking about that all year long. And, you know, in those games where you see it, it's a different team. It is a different team. A more reliable team gives you more hope if you're an IU fan and, you know, in a lot of these games where you don't see it and you just have Trace basically on an island carrying the load where it has worked and they have won, but you just don't like that equation in a one-and-done setting like this.
3: Yeah, I mean, it comes down to a number of things, but one of the simplest way to maybe explain it is how many paths to victory does a team have? And then if you really only have one or two, then your margin for error is enormously small. One guy has a bad game, boom, your season's done. If you have multiple paths to victory, especially if those multiple paths come from different guys, then your chances of winning NC NCAA tournament games go up. And, you know, there are times Indiana's offense has been nothing more than, hey, Trey, save us. It's been their offense. Yeah. Now, right. it's worked at times. Because Trace Jackson Davis is a unanimous first-team All-American, um, you know a number of people. Adam Finkelstein from Twenty Four Seven Sports, you know, said one of the two best players in the country this 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 year. Rob Senderoff, the Kent State coach, just said one of the most impactful players in the country this year. So yeah, sometimes if your offense is Trace, save us. Sometimes Trace can save you. Okay, he's that damn good. But. If if he got into foul trouble or something like that, you want multiple more ways to win, more paths to victory. And if Indiana can just get a little bit going from three, it gives you more paths to victory. And it keeps teams from just going straight drop coverage all the time and either bracketing trace like Rutgers did or just the drop coverage to, to double on the pass like some other people have done. I mean, you look at some of the advanced analytics, and I think Trace is second or third in the country in points scored when he's been double-teamed on a possession.
0: Now that's been really productive, but that's that's heavy lifting. <laughs> hey Jeff, I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick. I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna put you on the spot. I don't want no him and hawing. I just want a direct answer. How deep? How deep of a run? How far can this team go in the tournament? I got them going to the Sweet 16 i got them going to the Sweet 16.
3: I think they beat Kent State. I think they can beat either Miami or, or Drake uh, on Sunday. I just don't see how they can get past uh, Houston. I think Houston's physicality, the fact that they send so many guys to the offensive glass, the fact that they're so physical um, with a dribbler at any point in time, I think it's, I think it's tough for Indiana to get past Houston. And that, that's, that's kind of assuming Sasser at least plays. Now, if Sasser doesn't play. And here I go having it on. If Sasser doesn't play, you ain't following the rules, man. You're not. (laughs) You're not following the rules, Jeffrey. Is
0: that is that is is that that Professor Wells telling me my A just became a B? (laughs) Yes, Yes. man. Hey, listen, Houston's got athletes, man. They they had they have athletes whether Sasser plays or not. And I know Hoosier fans don't want to hear it and stuff, but. Kelvin Sampson's coaching his rear end off, man. He, he's done a great job with that program. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Listen, well, and I I'm not saying – go, go ahead. No, 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 after you. Oh, I, you no, I, I think
3: everybody realizes Kelvin Sampson is a phenomenal coach, you know. Um, now, that may not change. I use it fans' opinion – of him as a person because of what he did when he was at iu getting them put on probation leading to three awful years etc cetera, etc cetera. everybody knows the story so i don't know that people's opinions of him personally as far as iu fans go is going to change but i think everybody's seen what he's done you know getting to a final four the type of basketball they play how hard they defend um, and i think they've done a phenomenal job really in Roster construction, as far as Samson has figured out, how do I want to win? Okay, I want a bunch of athletes between let's say six four and six eight, and it's not like they got some dominant post player. I mean, you know, Walker's terrific, but he's not dominant post player. He's he's listed at six eight, and if he's actually six foot seven barefoot, I'll buy you dinners at St. Elmo's every month for every day for a month. But you know, Samson has figured out how he wants to play, and he he has really went out and recruited. Very specifically to how he wants to play, and he's done a really good job, you know. And, and yeah, IU fans are, are going to have certain feelings because, in their view, he screwed over their beloved Hoosiers, and that's understandable. But any objective look at Calvin Sampson, yeah, he's done a terrific job as a coach at Houston.
1: That is Jeff Row Johns of Pigs.com, ready and good to go from Albany, New York, tomorrow night. You've got Kent State, you've got IU, Jeff's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline.
3: Jeff, I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. You guys take care. Professor Wells, always good to talk to you, man.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right now, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Would you let Mike Wells surprise you with an alcoholic beverage,
4: Mike, ever? Hell hell no. I mean, (laughs) and I tell you, it just just tells you where my life is. I'm spending Thursday afternoon talking with two drunks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well let me get I'll be
1: completely honest
0: with you every Thursday you're with one at least okay <laughs> so. and, you, and you, you get a bonus today Chappie you get you get a bonus and I couldn't surprise Chappie because Chappie's a simple guy he's that guy that gets chicken tenders all the time and gets some pizza and he's good to go so there's no surprise in Chapp when it comes to anything Chapp could probably surprise us and he would probably get it where I can drop like 85 more F-bombs more than normal if if he had his choice on that
4: you know, it, we're, we're at the press room. We were back in the press room this week to talk to the coordinators. And I miss it, the occasional, the frequent
0: F-bomb when we're all there. So so you are missed, Mike. Well, maybe if the Colts a little better, I'll swing by sometime next season and uh, come in. I, I was going to come swing by late in the season on a Friday because we all know I never showed up on Fridays when I covered them, when the weather was nice because golfing. But they went downhill so bad that I didn't even want to say hello to Jeff Saturday. That's how bad things were over there. It, it, got, it was
4: tough sledding. And the only thing we had really to keep ourselves going were ourselves. And when Matt Conti came in, and we could just, t- you know, shoot the buzz with him for a while.
1: It's, uh, Mike Chapel who is with us. All right. So earlier today, we learned that the Paris Campbell, and that is a guy that I think some of, some of us thought maybe the Colts would have interest in retaining, keeping around. Signs a free agent deal with the Giants. I'm not surprised. I mean, really, none of this stuff is surprising me any longer whatsoever. But I would ask
4: you: Were you surprised that he did not end up here? O- only because, from what you see from the contract, you're thinking, really, that's because I thought he might got a might get a pretty good contract because it's a really thin market. But what it's, it's like one point it's it's a, it's a little over three million, and then you can get a lot about double that with incentives. I just think that's a decent contract for a guy. I realize that the problem is, was last year an aberration and you're not confident he stays healthy or what? But without him, he, he was your second leading receiver. So here we are again. They need receivers. And so you and I, you know, and maybe Mike as well, but I, I just I understand where we are with receivers and how they're going to approach it. I just – they created another hole on a roster when they've already got holes. So, you know, all things being equal, I I would have re-signed him for that contract. But who knows what Shane Steichen thought about him. That's a wild card in this.
0: Chappy, obviously, there's a number of holes. There's no hole bigger than at the quarterback position. I think everybody knows that you'll be right. paying attention to that leading up to the draft. But as you look at how free agency has unfolded, and since I would say Monday morning or Sunday, um, where is the biggest hole on this roster now? Out, not named quarterback.
4: Uh, probably, probably receiver, cornerback. You, you send Gilmore to Dallas. And right guard and you know they need a the right guard and i realize it's still early in free agency and the draft and all that but they need those three areas really kind of cry out to me to get fixed
0: that's a lot hey that, i thought you might say one or two but that puts yeah. in perspective how far how far down mm-hmm. the colts have fallen as far as they got so many things positions that they need to address with limited aspects. How, how are you on Twitter right now when the fan base is panicking, saying, what the hell is Chris Ballard doing? How come, you know, the biggest signing, you know, the most money they've spent is on a kicker, and we know kickers are diamond dime a dozen. I mean, are you basically having to tell people to relax? This is not the first time Chris Ballard has taken it slow at the start of free agency? Yeah, you want to say, what have you guys been watching for the last six years? <laughs> I mean, th- this is what they
4: do, and and by and large, with most of their free agent signings, there have been a lot more hits than misses. There really have been. But, again, I, I just don't agree with, with the approach receiver, I, I, and I won't. I, I, yes, I overvalue receivers, especially bringing in a young quarterback. I want him to have some you know, really, really quality options around him, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, at best case, they're going to use a second-round pick on a receiver again. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's – you know, I, I wasn't all that upset about the kicker. I, everyone that we talked with said Chase McLaughlin was the most important guy to bring back because of what he meant to him last year. Well, if you believe that, Matt Gay is an upgrade over, over Chase McLaughlin, and that's not to disrespect Chase because he, he was probably the MVP last year. But if you, if you can get one of the top three or four kickers in the league – you know, for four years, that's one. That's one thing you don't worry about. It, it, it's it's similar to when they signed Vinny back in 06, made him like the highest paid kicker. Now, so, so you were you, you didn't worry about that for the next four years. Now I realize the team in 06 was a lot further along. You know, that that was a Super Bowl team, and this isn't. But the, it's not like they overpaid for a guard and paid him fifteen million dollars. No, okay, maybe you slightly overpaid for a kicker and it's five and a half million. So it's I, I was I, I wasn't upset about it at all. That's one thing you don't worry about for the next four or five years.
1: It's uh, Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What do you think? Is there anybody wide receiver wise? You think that maybe Ballard Deems? discount relatable that they bring in because i would agree with you on one thing i don't care if we don't know who the quarterback is going to be we don't know who they're going to draft you're still going to have to line up some folks to give whomever it is some help is there anybody out there anybody you expect to be out there maybe as a veteran maybe an over 30 year old veteran they'd bring in a discount to kind of help out things
4: Probably later on. I mean, Adam Thielen's still out there, but I think he is. But I, that's not the kind of guy they go after. So I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say no. I think they're going to go, and initially they'll, they'll do it in the draft, and they'll get a second-round draft pick again. And then I think they find the the, the Devin Funchess-type guy, uh Tomorrow, oh God, chap chap, chap,
0: chap, 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 <laughs> chap, chap, chap. You cannot mention Devin Funch's name. I mean, the guy played three quarters of, of a game, not exactly. three quarters of a season, three quarters. Oh my God. Don't look at your mentions now, Chappy. But, 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 that, but that's the guy they always go for. And you
4: know, it's, it's just, that's not been where they value putting their money. And you know, I, I just, I've never agreed with it. I'll, I'll never agree with it. Uh it's just detrimental to, to bring in a young quarterback. I, I remember back when they brought in Andrew Luck uh, in '12, and it was it, it was greatly important to re-sign Reggie Wayne uh, it, it, because you need to have that that guy that really help your quarterback. And so right now you got Michael Pittman and, and Alec Pierce and Ashton Doolin and Michael Strong And Doolin's got 33 career catches and strong has got five. So, you've got two guys in the room that you know you can really, really depend on. That's kind of nothing today's NFL. So, Mike Chappell, who joins
1: us, I'm going to get back to, to Matt Gay and that signing. Biggest free agent contract ever signed by a kicker. Uh, certainly, when you compare the numbers to that of Chase McLaughlin, uh, the percentages you know, are higher in kicks in general, has a bigger leg. Fifty yards and out I, I justified that early in the week now I know this, a lot of Colts fans want to joke about it because you're coming off a four win season and the first time you basically dip your toe into free agency, it's with a kicker and considering that if there was one guy that was consistent enough over this past really bad season, it was their kicker in Chase McLaughlin but I kind of understand it from this standpoint, is you need to have Even though McLaughlin did a good job, a more reliable kicker and a longer kicker, given whomever is here at quarterback, you're going to assume a lot of these drives are going to get stalled out. So you're probably going to be kicking at times to get points in general from long distances. Doing something you really don't like to do, Mike, in terms of offense in the NFL, especially to win games, but to try to keep yourselves in a competitive situation it seems to me like you needed. I know it, it's it's kind of laughable to a lot of Colts fans, but I felt that that was an upgrade. That if they were going to go that direction, to me it was justified.
4: Yeah, he's 28. Like I said, he, barring injury, he's going to be your guy for the next four to six years. He just is. He, and it, again, it's not like you're overpaying 20 million dollars for a receiver or 15 for a guard. It's five million dollars and change for a kicker. In the building of a roster, that's not that big of a deal. It just isn't. It's just when you try to put it together with, well, you still need the right guard. You still need a receiver. You still need a couple of cornerbacks. It's an issue. But but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. We're all, you know, we've all been attuned to kind of getting out of sorts with kickers. But for the last three years, up until last year, kicker was such a huge problem. You know, ever since Vinny's last, you know, bad year in '19, they've been like an 83% kicking team. That's ridiculous. You can't, you just can't do that. And again, I, I think they would have, they would have been okay with bringing Chase back. But when you have a chance to get Matt Gay and for, for, for that kind of a contract, boy, you do
0: it, and, and you don't think twice now for the next yeah. four or five years about your kicker. Man, hey, I, hey, I, I chap. I got. I, I think fans are more upset because that it was the timing of the move. It wasn't. No question. I think that the, the Colts hadn't made other moves out there. At, 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 you know. You know, probably what they believe more important positions. It was a kicker, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh my god, they're signing a the kicker. What the heck's going on? Yep. JMV. By the way, your favorite member, of the Wells house, just texted. She, called, she did. She called her dad boring. Can you believe that? Boring? Yeah, she called. You're her not da- boring. She called her. She's listening right now, and she called her dad back uh, boring. I, I love I, me some Layla Wells. Well, listen, when, when Layla has her hand out, though, <laughs> I'm gonna remember I'm boring, so I'm gonna be boring <laughs> to hand you one dollar, miss, miss Layla. So keep keep that in keep that in mind, but, chap. Um, Jay and I have been having a conversation. He believes Chris Ballard is safe for the next three years, based off the, where where the roster's at. Do you agree or disagree on what they have to yeah. do as far as trying to become contenders again?
4: Three's pushing it, but yes. I mean, the, 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 when they brought when they decided to bring Chris back, and we can debate that forever. But when you bring him back, and you're going to go with a with a rookie quarterback, it, I mean, it, it's you, you've got to have more patience. Whether fans agree with that or not, that's that's the case, and this is not going to be a fun team to watch next year. I don't think. I think they're going to struggle because of the makeup of the team with the quarterback. You know, who's the backup quarterback going to be? Because the rookie's probably not going to be ready. So this is going to be a a, a team that fights and scratches and wins a handful of games. You've got management's got to have patience. With the GM because this is where you are now. It's funny, I heard Stephen Holder mention, and he's really spot on to where are these guys in complete re- reboot mode, or are they trying to do what the Pacers did and sort of stay competitive and not just go in the tank? And it's a good idea. I don't think the team's done a really good job of letting us know what they're doing, what they want to do, stay competitive, but you know, they get rid of Gilmore, which to the impression that they're they're not looking for next year. But, you know, didn't they sign some guys? Well, maybe they do. So I'd like to know what what they think they want to get accomplished this year while they're building for two or three years down the road. I brought this up. Rick Carlisle came on
1: with me in October and said, listen, fans, you got to have patience because this is going to take a bit. Now, I think that works in the NBA with the Pacers. I just don't think that works in a season with the Colts here, especially with, in the past, what everybody around here as a Colts fan has been told. However, do you think that's an approach the Colts should have? Should they just be out, outspoken at some point here and tell the fan base exactly what they're doing and how they're trying to rebuild, or should they just let us speak for them, you know, give our opinions and let the fan base kind of learn this thing on the fly. What's the better point I, to do here?
4: I would like them to give a better idea of what their what their objective is. And, you know, the, the fact, again, the fact you're going with a young quarterback, it, it tells you what they're going to do. And, and fan, fans will be patient if they see a quarterback come in here a young quarterback that you can say you know th- this is our guy give us a chance to building yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck at all but I'm just saying with a young quarterback he gives you a chance to, to, to see the light down the road you no know, not not okay we don't like these quarterbacks this year we're at four we're not going to move to three we're going to kind of take the best defensive player on the board and and we like the quarterback group next year. Next year. Now, give them a quarterback you should get. Give them a player you can, you can have faith in and trust in. And I think then the fan base would be okay. Uh, you know, they'd be anxious. But it, it, it's obvious this is a rebuild because because you're going to have a young quarterback in this quarterback class, which it's all, I, I get the impression all these quarterbacks, these four quarterbacks, have been pushed to the top. Because of the desperation, and teams are always looking for that quarterback, but if you get a guy with four or three, at least he gives you hope that maybe in a year or two you might be back to be competing with Jacksonville and the AFC
0: South. Without that quarterback to, to lean on and to hope for, I don't know where you go. I, it's funny that you said back to compete against Jacksonville in the AFC South. I mean, I that, that's, that's how far the Indianapolis Colts have fallen. I mean, I, I, it's something that tells me you and I think the same, Chad. You probably laughed when you saw that Carolina jumped up to number one in the draft. And it was basically like Frank Reich said, all right, you guys fired me in Indianapolis, <laughs> but I'm going to make sure I get my QB. I'm going to get the quarterback. Yeah. So let's just say the Colts say at number four. And, you know, Carolina takes one and Houston takes whoever the second-best quarterback is, whether it's uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And that leaves Will Levis and Anthony Richardson at number four on the board. Which one do you think would be, based off what you've read, what you saw, talking at the Combine, best fits... The indianapolis colts you take the the project and richardson knowing that you may not have a backup quarterback that can step in and be ready to start or do you go with a guy like will levis and just hope he could be the second coming of josh allen
4: that's what's but josh allen took a year or two to get going too so you know anthony richardson i'm i'm always leery when when a, when a player at any position just blows everybody away with a great workout at the combine I really. This guy started up like what, like 13 games in college. Yeah. I just—it's it, a boomer bust pick. And I, the question I have is with Chris Ballard and where he's at with the Colts and in job security, whatever you want not call it—is he willing to go boomer bust? That—that's not been who he who he is. It's not—it's not at all. And, and then you, you Will Levis, I don't know. I That's why I say, it, you know, if I'm the Colts and I like both of those guys, I move to three to get the guy I want. I don't want to say, well, this is who we ended up with. Well, but, you know, you could have gone to three to get a guy if only if you believe there's a difference in them. So, because if you stay at four, there's a really good chance somebody goes to three to get a quarterback. It's just, that, that's the odds, so... It all depends on how they have these guys ranked. Maybe they don't think any of these guys are any good or our, our franchise quarterback level. I, But, but I, I would rather have as much control as possible on who I check take, take a quarterback. And if that means giving up a, a second or third round pick or whatever it would take to move to three, I would do it. Just so I know I'm getting, I, I'm lessening my risks on my future and the franchise's future. Uh, but again, it, it all depends on how they, they have these guys evaluated. And I, Richardson scares the, the Jesus out of me just because he's a great athlete, talent, potential, and he started 13 games. And what did he complete? Like 54% of his passes in college? That just
0: scares me. Man, can you, can you imagine what the fan base? The outrage will be if the Colts stay at number four and another oh, no quarterback need, another quarterback needy team comes in and moves up to number three, swaps picks with Arizona, and the Colts are left with basically, you know, the scraps of those four quarterbacks. Right. If, or The or fan base is going to be outraged. If they stay at four
4: and they don't like who the fourth guy is and they take the best player in the draft, whoever the defensive player is, and they try to get their quarterback later on or they kick the can down the road, And they sign who's the best free agent quarterback out there? Uh, Mariota. Well, they're going to sign Gardner uh, Minshew, right? They're going to sign Gardner Minshew to be the veteran backup, but maybe the starter. Yeah. I I just again, I just it's just kind of risky depending on how they have him ranked. Sitting at four, just just anticipating somebody's going to go to three. Maybe no one goes to three. Maybe no one else likes these guys either but I, I would be willing to give up something to limit my risk of getting the fourth quarterback off the board. And Chris Ballard and his guys may be sitting there laughing at us, saying, these quarterbacks are just guys. They're nobody special. And, uh, but, but, again, with so much on the line, and you, you, you've been in there, Mike. You've listened to Jim he talk about we've got to develop our – we've got to draft, develop our own. We've got to get off of this veteran kick. And this is the best chance they've had to do that since uh, Andrew Luck retired. So Mike Chapel,
1: with us. Before I let you go here, it seems to me like, and, and normally I don't even know if there's anything that is like this, going into year seven with one playoff win and the results we have seen without making a general manager change. But Chris Ballard seems to me as comfortable as ever right now. Would you agree with that? I mean, as comfortable I do, I do. as ever designing this team, putting together this team again in the eyes in which he has in the past.
4: Right. And, and we all anticipated, well, would, would he change his ways? Would he be more aggressive? Would he be more, you know, spend more money? And, and really, no, he, he has it. He's still trying to get the defensive line straightened out. He's got to do something on the offensive line. But th- this is who he's been. And I think that's the approach. I think his approach is, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down true to my principles. He's going to stick to who he is. He believes in himself. The one area that's really just continued to bite him in the butt is quarterback, and they've got to get it right this offseason. They've got to get it right. People don't
1: like to hear this, but he's got three more years. He's got three more years, going nowhere this coming year, going nowhere in year two, which basically, so year one's year seven, year two's year eight, and year three's year nine. So in year nine or year three is going to be the proving ground. I think that's the type of cushion, the type of time that Jim Irsay has given him to put together that winner.
4: I think think there needs to be definite improvement in two years, in in 2024. In 24, I just you just can't still be muddling around, you know, in, in the second year of this. Or oh, I'm not saying he's going to get fired at all, but I think from from all of us looking on, you need to really see something moving after this year because this year I think again is going to be could be very difficult. But that next year they've really got to say, look look what we're doing. We've made improvements. We've done this, that, and the other. You know, Steichen's second year as the head coach. That's when we really need to see some movement forward.
1: Mike Chapel of CBS4 and Fox 59. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for spending time today with Thursday afternoon with two drunks. We'll do it again next week. Be <laughs> well, guys. Good talking with you, Mike.